Before we get into this week's edition of The Bloom Files, I wanted to squeeze in a couple of quick seconds and talk about our sponsor for this week, Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Now, if you excuse me, I've got some case opening to do. The truth is out there. And here, who knows? Either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps and X-Files Rewatch slash First Watch Podcast. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here with yet another doubleheader of Monster of the Week slash Scientific Phenomena of the Week. Perhaps for this particular week, we got a lot to get into here as we talk two episodes of Season 2, Season 2, Episode 19, Dodd Calm and season two, episode 23, Soft Light. Of course, I am joined by my partner on this case and my wife, someone who I would follow much like a shadow, though hopefully I don't have to kill anybody in exchange for being your shadow, Angela oh Blue. boy, hi! <laughs> what an intro! That should have been in my vows, I yeah, realize. Yeah, I guess so. And my wife, I think you mean you're my, hu- you're my husband. Would that be odd if I said she's my partner on this podcast and I am her husband? No, it wouldn't be odd. Okay, I'll do it next time. <laughs> um. Anyway, nice to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, my shadow will not eat you alive. That's what you say. I'm waiting for it one day. <laughs> uh, that's what I say. Yeah, exactly. I think the more I've experienced these weird things on the X-Files, the more that I've just opened up my imagination to right. what what creepy stuff is going to come inflict harm on me at any point well, in time. Well, I don't study dark matter, so I think we'll I be mean, okay. I mean, we'll talk about it. I don't know if the uh, people who wrote this episode studied much of dark matter <laughs> either. But yeah, this is a, a weird couple of episodes. It feels a little... A little bit since we've gotten into, like, the weird stuff, and I think that's because we've really mm-hmm. focused a lot on stuff that buys into the arc or, like, Yeah, the whole- yeah, This was, like, a really good, not introduction, but continuance of the typical X-Files episode where it is sort of one and done, and it is something weird or monstrous or paranormal, and it's not always about aliens. It's typically, actually, most of the series is not about aliens, but <laughs> when we have to pick and choose episodes so that we're not and we're not watching the entire series, we tend to pick the ones that are more large arc because I don't know how you would know what was happening right? if you didn't watch those. So, you know, we have to skip some of the more fun or, you know, more, I guess you could say, like, weird phenomenon. But Mm -hmm. these ones I picked out of season two, which is, like, chock full of really good um, kind of, like, oddball episodes (laughs) of mysteries. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, weird ones that, like, just, you know, aren't, aren't my cup of tea, like, there's a cannibalistic town and all Ugh. this stuff, but um, yeah, no, these are really good. And I, I like Dodd Calm because it is like a bottle episode where it all happens Ship in and, a bottle. Yeah. It all happens in the same space over like a certain, it's like almost an episode of 24, you know, mm. like, 
But no, you know what I mean, like timeline yeah, yeah. wise. And it's it's Fox. He so. laughs at me. It stays in the network. I am I'm your husband. Oh right. <laughs> but I I agree that it's these these episodes are certainly odd, or should I say dodd? Dodd. And they're very fun. Again, I I've talked so much about how. I have really come to terms with the fact that this show is not what I assumed no. it would be based on pop culture osmosis. And I never thought that it'd be like, oh, we're going to watch an episode of The X-Files where Tony Shalhoub plays a, a man who is hit by a particle accelerator explosion. And now his shadow is able to essentially uh, pull people into like a black hole type of effect that kills them instantly. Yeah, that's a good synopsis. But I do think you get moments of X-Files pop culture reference in these two episodes especially in the second one when they're quote-unquote investigating as part of like a a police crime unit Mm -hmm. i feel like you get a lot of that back and forth where you know it's like you think about the episode of the simpsons that they appear on right that's like exactly the way they sound on that episode so um yeah i think it's good so we've got two mysteries to solve here in these episodes let's hop right into it let's get into dodd calm because both of these episodes start off with a cold open quite literally cold in the case of yeah. dodd calm we are back at sea after being there in colony and endgame it is a different sea but uh, john kraus actually wrote this into us uh, over the past week that the the reason why this episode ends up coming about is because you know they had sort of rented out this boat <laughs> yeah. to use for as the sub i was gonna mention this <laughs> for endgame and for colony uh, as we talked about last week, and they said, all right, well, like, we sort of have, like, the lease on it. Might as well use it yeah, for Yeah, you're thinking, else. like, oh, this is such a big coincidence. It was not. Yeah. <laughs> but and it's still a really great episode. It's a good episode. From what I heard, though, not a good time making it. I believe Chris Carter said no. it was, like, uh, like it's just a process from hell, because apparently the temperature dropped substantially yeah. when they were on the sub. It was super cramped. The, of course, you had to have the old age makeup being applied every day, which probably took hours at a time. Yeah, the makeup in this I thought was really, really great from a perspective of watching a TV show, you know, 20 years out mm-hmm. where things have advanced so much in the field of of makeup and special effects that like this is pretty good it holds up well yeah i mean i would say we'll we'll get into it i I mean you know it's makeup because you know who they are like it's like you're watching it i will say i think they did a much better job on scully than Mulder. yeah well Mulder Mulder looks like a a sack of potatoes i I also think Mulder's like acting skills in this are just yeah like very strange like choice to have quasi parkinson's disease like as especially uh, because he's not old he's just, not old well, he's, he's dehydrated he's a raisin man <laughs> yeah they're just dehydrated but it's weird it's funny it's fine they, um, they should call this episode like raisin people or something well it's so it's called dot com and we had to look this up mm-hmm. because neither of us are norwegian or swedish or that's what either. you think and this is not a norwegian phrase at all it's actually no. just a play on the norwegian film dead calm right which, well, is, which i don't think that's a norwegian film it's got i think it has oh really Nicole, i thought I it was I think nicole kidman's in it oh yeah no no uh, that's billy right. zane so basically that's about like a couple but it takes place in the norwegian state too right Do they, i know it's a, it's a couple that are on a boat and uh, I, don't know, I wikipedia it quickly to and basically a- they get picked up by uh they pick up billy zane who is like this mysterious guy who says oh my boat you know is yeah. functioning and then he like kidnaps nicole kidman so it's sort of like a, a, like murder, a, thriller. a murder thriller on the open sea yeah so essentially what they did was they looked at that and said oh it'd be funny if we called this episode dead calm but because it takes place in scandinavia dodd kind of sounds like dead and calm with a k is not 
Stockholm with a C in Norwegian. They just took it and like yeah made a like <laughs> they a, made a word. They yeah. made two words. So yeah, they essentially made up a phrase out of it, which. You know, maybe uh, maybe nowadays they would consult with more like yes. Scandinavian people in the writer's room. I don't know. I yes. feel like it's not I, I'm not speaking necessarily as someone with Scandinavian hair. It doesn't seem like they were particularly uh, offensive no. or, or OTT with any stereotypes. Yeah, it's only Norway. the name that's a little like bit of a choice. I mean, we barely even spent time in Norway. We're mostly on the sea. No, the only people that are I mean, you do have two Norwegian characters in Orlof, Orlof and the other guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, those are your main characters, that guy, the other guy and Mulder and Scully and yeah. the dead captain. <laughs> yeah. And Barclay. Well, speaking, Barclay. Of, speaking of Barclay, let's start with our cold open here. So basically Barclay is the captain of this naval vessel. Everyone else has abandoned ship. Uh, they basically say like, yeah. I don't trust you, Captain Barclay. Barclay's like, I'm going down with the ship. Yeah, exactly. Ironically enough, we're going to get more Star Trek stuff in the second episode, but I find it interesting that the captain here is named Barclay, considering the character of the same name in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, But basically, you know, Barclay is losing his crew rapidly, who are just abandoning him in the moment. We then cut to... You know, I said that the the stereotypes were were not necessarily there for Scandinavia. Certainly there for fishermen. Though. Yeah, we have these two fishermen who like loved his look. Have like, Very of intense. course, are wearing knit cable sweaters. They're wearing beanies. They have big bushy beards. Like whenever you think of, okay, this is a sort of uh, deadliest catch. You know, long term offshore fisherman. It's it's going to be this guy. Just close your eyes and think of that. Person. Yeah, he looks great. He is belongs on a magazine cover. <laughs> what magazine? Fisherman's Monthly. Fisherman's. I feel like Fisherman's Monthly is probably a thing. It for sure is. Um. So they end up. This Canadian fishing vessel ends up picking up the lifeboat from the American naval vessel. But despite the crew trying to escape, it's too late. They're all raisin people. Yeah, they're like wrinkly. Yeah, they're very, very wrinkly. But and apparently I think all of them died. Right. With the exception of. Yeah. So there's the one person that's in the ICU that they're like failing to treat, basically. Yeah, because Mulder and Scully, they get called in here because nobody has any idea what's going on. They think, okay, did they rapidly age? What's going on with their body i'm assuming that it's the former because all these people died when it turns out probably was much more like dehydration as a result of the salinity that's that's in their system yeah um so but Mulder calls scully in like this is not an x-files case Mulder calls scully in because he heard about it and says okay i don't have clearance to get into the icu basically yeah so i need you to do your wave card thing medical knowledge hubbub and get me some information. And Scully attempts to, and she gets shut down by the Yeah, doctor. well, she also does this thing where she, like, um, she tries to, like, play it up. Like, um, can I see his medical chart? Like, she does that thing it's where like, she- It's like, no! <laughs> She's like, who's who's in charge of this? Like, she tries to take, like, a, an, a like the upper hand and- Right, and, and just <laughs> assume that people be like, oh, she must be in charge. Okay, yeah, exactly, exactly. Questions. And she does that often. She'll try to, like, uh, you know, she'll be like, um, you know, like, who- who ordered these tests or like who did the, you know, she'll do that in cases, but whatever. This, this doctor is like, no, 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 no. You don't have clearance to be here. Get out. So even though Scully gets turned away, that does not deter Mulder. Angela, there are so many red herrings, enough to fill a fishing net, if you will, (laughs) in this episode. And the first trail that we go down is that Mulder believes the phenomenon going on aboard this ship ties into something called the Philadelphia 
experiment, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was sort of like the redheaded stepchild of the Manhattan experiment. Yeah, or like yeah. a stepsister, I would say, because they sort of that's this is like the Jan Brady of the yeah. World War II yeah, project, yeah. where the Manhattan Project got more attention. But basically, it's this idea, and I read up a little bit about this. This is a, a real thing, even though it wasn't exactly proven. You know, people say there are there are records of it where scientists were brought into this secret project to attempt to cloak naval battleships. Yes. <laughs> so it's a, I mean, that's absolutely wild. Again, going back to Star Trek, that's something you can imagine in the far future. I cannot imagine coming up with cloaking technology in the 1940s. No. So I think that, I mean, it's obviously they took that idea and just kind of threw it into the X-Files because it is a very X-Files-esque idea. So Mulder's into that. He thinks that's what's happening. Sort of, but then he also couples it <laughs> with this idea of, okay, but also, on the other hand, I've been studying all these cases of boats disappearing around this one area, and Mulder is now essentially putting out this idea of, maybe there's a wormhole. Yeah, like a Bermuda Triangle. but uh, in A nor- wrinkle in time is what he's going to yeah, call it. Yeah, basically, he thinks it's like a Bermuda Triangle, which is another episode that we'll watch of oh, The X-Files. There's actually one that involves the Bermuda Triangle? Yes, and cool. it's amazing. It's my, one of my favorite episodes, but... um. Basically, that he thinks that's happening in the Norwegian Sea. So, time! Yeah. What a fickle thing. <laughs> it's so interesting, because this episode, again, you feel like a fish on the line. You keep getting jerked about in all these different places of like, okay, I, know, because I guess, when I guess they... there is a wormhole. Oh, wait, no, maybe it has like this, we'll talk about the magnet theory later yeah, on. Yeah, so when, we, when they said the wormhole thing, you were like, ooh, oh, so interesting. I was like, oh, don't get too attached. <laughs> <laughs> don't even try to buy into it, because they're going to bail on it fairly quickly. <laughs> fairly quickly, yeah. Either way, these two are heading off to Norway to sort of figure it out for themselves. And in this, I guess, like, seaside bar, they run into Henry Henry Trondheim, uh, who's played by an actor by the name of John Savage, who the only thing I knew him from is that he actually played Claude in the film version of the musical Hair. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, so, like, imagine (laughs) him protesting the fact that the military can't cut his hair, so he said, might as well become a fisherman, I can grow out my hair all I want to, including facially speaking. Yeah, he did look sort of familiar, but I don't I don't remember what I know him from. But, I mean, he's like your typical, like, sullied uh, man, fisherman yeah, type. Yeah, like, I'm trying to remember. Is it Was it Richard Dreyfuss who played yes, Quint in Quint yes. Jaws? Quint? Yeah, yeah, exactly that type. Just, like, very, like, um, you know, like, lives his code by the sea. Yeah, exactly. But he's also, he's despite living in Norway, he is our our consummate American, as well as an expat. So he's basically saying, "All right, I'm the middleman here. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what's going on. This is when he brings in yet another red herring about the Norwegian myth about a piece of rock falling from the sky from an evil god, which then got my mind turning of, okay, is there's like alien meteorite infecting <laughs> yeah. things. Again, there's a not, few like Norwegian the- myths in this episode too, which I, I don't dislike. I actually really like Nor like Norwegian and sort of Viking myth lore, but um no, that's not what's happening. <laughs> so they Trondheim volunteers to take them out to that abandoned boat. Mulder not faring so well. And I think it's safe to say both of us would be in Mulder's position. Oh, yeah. Scully's we don't do see. well on the open waters. Yeah, I mean, I am afraid of open waters. And I just get sick. Exactly. <laughs> so I think you especially, considering what happens to Mulder later on, you'd be looking a little potato and potatoy in the face. Which sucks, because I actually really love the experience of going out on a boat. Like, loving, like, I love the, like, breeze in your hair. Mm-hmm. And then, like, within 10 minutes, I'm just like, I am nauseous. And it just gets worse as I get older. I used to be better when I was younger. Is that just like... No, that's an age thing. To like, an age lose, thing. your equilibrium gets less Oh, that's interesting. Balanced, but 
So there's like a bell curve of equilibrium where when you're. Well, that's why kids can like, like do like flips and jumps and like spin around easier. Is that why gymnasts are so young? I have no, that's because they're bendy. <laughs> Their bones aren't solid yet. Oh, speaking of bones. So they, they go to the ship here and it, they, it looks like it's been abandoned for like 20 or 30 years, right? Like there's yeah. a lot of corrosion on it. It's very rusty. And they, they go to the bunk and they find some bones. They find lots of bones. Yeah, I guess the so <laughs> crusty bones. I, I'd assume that all of the crew had left, but I guess some people, some I don't people know, stayed with the captain it or, like. or they had, were already dead at that point. Yeah, it's unclear, but I, I think you're, I mean, it's weird because when I first watched this episode, I was, it's hard to tell from the beginning the time. Mm-hmm. that those people were in you're like yeah. is this happening in the past is this happening in the present and then you find out it's the present like as soon as they get picked up but when they go down into the bunker you're like wait when did this happen again because it's like so corroded yeah, they look like if this ship had sunk and you find yes. you know the bodies of people it's at like the those bottom videos of the, of the titanic like when you see it through the little camera yeah, when bill paxton goes underwater oh my god yes or <laughs> actual documentaries uh, i'm pretty sure that was a real life thing uh-huh <laughs> so as they're trying to say okay this is weird let's leave uh they can't because Trondheim's boat got taken i did initially think that a ghost took his yeah boat. you did you're like are there ghosts on the ship and like, i'm like no i oh, think that somebody stole it i was just thinking like <laughs> ghost pirates there i guess the answer is pirates yeah just not ghost pirates so yeah it turns out that on this ship were two o- olafson i should say not orloff <laughs> orloff um so yeah it turns out that olafson no, that was Trondheim's boat. Right? Yeah, and Olafson had been camped out in on that ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, the, he's the pirate, right? And yeah. so I'm assuming that his crew—they're pirate like, whalers. Yeah, and they said, "Oh, all right. Well, we're gonna take the ship now and sail away." Yeah, because they find the ship in the middle of the ocean. They're like, they're probably just like trying to see what's on it. Any port in a storm to use a piece of the sea parlance. Uh huh. And so I guess someone from Olafson's crew stole. Trondheim's ship. But not all of sudden, ironically. No, yeah, they left, left him behind. there. <laughs> now listen, it's pirate code. Every man for himself, every buccaneer. So Trondheim's first mate dies here, assumingly killed by Olafson. That's going to send Trondheim really down a spiral path that leads him to becoming the big bad of the episode, ironically enough. Yeah, he's just, I mean, I don't want to say big bad. I think he just is a very human reaction to all of this. Like, mm-hmm. there's very much so the... Mulder and Scully side of humanity and then the Trondheim side of humanity. It's like people who cave under pressure and then people who rise above. And I yeah. think that that's what, you know, it's, I don't think he's a bad person. I think that he just like didn't do the right I, thing. I think he panics. Yeah, he panics and he just like wants to survive. Well, cause I think again, he thought he was cool as a cucumber when he was talking to Scully. Scully. Uh, there it is. The 17 minutes people mark people it. People love it when it comes out, but. You know, when Scully Mulder come in, he's like, oh, I know the sea. I can take you yeah, out to this yeah. thing. Don't you worry. And then he realizes that he's very quickly in over his head. Totally. So they end up finding... There's another person on the crew, though. Captain Barclay is there. He's found in a fridge just huddled over a bottle of Jack. Yeah. Which, so I, which as Scully will point out, ironically ended up saving him. Yeah, because I guess... I mean, we'll find out in, in a bit. But the water is what's actually Don't causing... Don't drink the water. I guess this is a yes. form of, like, uh, Montezuma's revenge, but the Norwegian version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leif Erikson's revenge. Yeah, so I guess that uh, Barclay had been drinking the alcohol, so he hadn't been drinking the water. So, <laughs> so, basically, so basically, his habits ended up saving his life. Yeah, exactly. For a short amount of for time. For a short amount of time. It, like, uh, kept him alive longer than the others. 
Um, but yeah, they find him and he basically tells him them, what does he say? He says the, the hole was bleeding. Yeah. They, they found, they saw a mysterious light in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. like a fire that stopped everything. This again, seemingly turns out to be another red herring, especially after watching Colony when there was a UFO crash or whatever in the water, you would assume it was that. But unless this was the thing that made the water, contaminated the water it supply. might have been, but like they don't really delve into it. So I, I don't know. It's unclear, but. Time is a ticking for everyone as after we get this is when Olafsson gets revealed as well. We are setting the stage and the stakes come in now because Scully and Mulder are starting to look a little long in well, the tooth. So after they um, basically what's his face dies, Barclay dies mm-hmm. and then they capture Olafsson. Right. They have they're trying to question him and then Trondheim starts beating him up because he killed his first mate. And yeah. then Mulder's like, Okay, guys, let's let's just calm down. And said, We're all gonna get some rest because everyone's really tired. <laughs> and they all go to sleep and they all take a little nap. And when they wake up, they're old. Yeah, I mean that's also that's often what happens whenever we nap, right? We technically always wake up a little bit older. Yeah. I mean, I guess I <laughs> I definitely don't, but I guess you do. Well, I guess not as old as the way that they look. I did write that. Excuse you. I never age. Never. I'm, you are perennially young. Thank you. <laughs> you are the fountain of youth. I did thank know you. that as much as I like Jillian Anderson's makeup better than David Duchovny's, old school, it kind of looks like a witch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they she has a very pointy nose to begin with, so they definitely don't do any favors here. Yeah. So Scully... It's trying to come up with her own reasoning. And this is when she comes in with some, I mean, the first of what's going to be a lot of scientific. She's just trying really hard to make it like make sense. And it just doesn't. So the, what she reasons though, is that there is, you know, a metallic source, like possibly a meteor, a rock that fell from the sky in the ocean that is triggering an electromagnetic reaction in our bodies that, it's not a bad theory. That excites free radicals and oxidizes the body, which is usually, you know, what ages the body. Yeah. It's just happening at a much faster pace because the electromagnetism is exciting the process. Yeah. So if what's happening to them is that they're aging, it's not a bad theory. Mm-hmm. But they're not aging. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, listen, I am far from a medical professional. It seemed to make sense, or at least she said it with enough conviction to yeah, make it Yeah, when I was, sense. we were watching this episode, I was like, I couldn't act. Like, I remembered that it was the water to an yeah. extent, but at the same time, I was, like, watching it with you, and I was like, is it the water? Yeah. And then, like, I was watching you, and you're like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, no, no, See, Michael. The, and this was the fun part of this episode, too, is that, ironically enough, even though we stayed in the same place, it was kind of a journey of yeah. puzzling it out alongside. And that's why I like these. I like these episodes, these one-off ones that are more of, like, a scientific mystery or, like, something's happening that's mm-hmm. paranormal, and they have to kind of figure it out. And it, it resolves itself in one fell swoop you know, of an episode, which I, you know, is satisfying. So we essentially divide up into two groups here, right? Mulder and Scully decide to investigate the rest of the ship to, to find out Make what sure might nobody be, else is there. And might see what the cause of things are. And then we, we get our Olafson and Trondheim moments where Olafson is able to, you know, bargain for his freedom in exchange for a secret. But Mulder and Scully are going to find out that secret as well. In that they find out that there is, uh, an, that everything was in the water. Yeah. And there is an uncontaminated water supply via the sewage system that was keeping Olafson and his men alive and de aged slash non salty. 
And we see that Trondheim has found out about that as well when we mm-hmm. see him drinking out of the toilet, doggy style. Yeah, drinking out of the toilet. Um, but I also think that Olafson is just like, like, I'm young. I look fine. So you have to believe me. And Trondheim's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess again, uh, Plus when- he's getting scared at that point because he, he's, he's starting to get all like, yeah, he's starting, he's starting to get wrinkly as well. So I think you're, you're, even though he's a salty sea dog of a pirate, ironically enough, not salty in this episode. Yes. You, you listen to him because I did think for a second that Olofsson was going to be an alien. You know, like, oh, maybe he's not, <laughs> I mean, that's the X Files for you. Alien. Always makes you think about that kind of stuff. Is that person an alien? <laughs> yeah. So Trondheim, I can't remember. Did he kill Olafson on screen or off screen? I don't remember. Either way, I rely on you for that kind of stuff. Either way, Mulder comes back and he says, "Oh no, he escaped while I was asleep." And Mulder points out, "No, the rope was cut. Yeah, not un- not untied. Like how'd that happen, buddy?" But either way, maybe it's just because Mulder and Scully are too tired. And they haven't watched Matlock yet. They, they, they're starting to shake. Yeah, they say, okay, we're, we're going to let bygones be bygones for right now. And this is when Scully finally, in one of the final acts of the episode, comes to the proper conclusion. Basically, there's incredibly high level of salt in everyone's bodies. And the salt has essentially, like, the, wa- the stuff in the water has catalyzed these bodily fluids mm-hmm. and has caused rapid cellular damage which is also part of the aging process yeah and they're not sure how it like nobody knows how it got on board nobody's sure you know who what contaminated the water but it you know it's it's isolated to this boat as of right now yeah and while the three of them are the only ones that are left and they're certainly feeling it Mulder is probably feeling it the worst uh as scully points out i think because he was so seasick yeah. before there he was certainly dehydrated more so than the other two. he was already dehydrated so when he got this contaminant in him that dehydrated him further it just was already further yeah, along. now he's extra now he's extra 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 raisiny yeah and Trondheim takes this as a sign of weakness basically telling Scully we don't need to give him anything well this is like not the first sign that he's like a weak moralistic human Mm -hmm. but like it's a it's another sign that he's somebody who will always put himself first so you know he's saying like okay if Mulder's clearly he's not gonna make it so like let's stop giving him the water and yeah, me let's and watch you will, him die please you know it's like let's give ourselves a better chance you know and it's i mean it's sort of the what's the trolley principle right like mm-hmm. save the one or save, save everybody the cheerleader save the world exactly now you can it. Yeah, exactly. And I believe it was a Peter Petrelli was the one at the maybe that was Hero that was one of the lever. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, Trondheim is, is kind of being a little bit of a jerk about this though. Yeah, he's well, saying, yeah, he he's saying directly in front of Mulder, yeah. let Mulder die. Yeah, and I get where he's coming from, but no. Like you just and, don't know. <laughs> and there's this poor shot of Mulder trying to rest, conserving his bodily fluids, and Trondheim is just glaring at this man. Yeah, as he's like shaking. <laughs> so Trondheim eventually decides screw this, if she's just going to protect Mulder, I'm out on my own. He locks himself in that shed that yeah. Olafson was in and essentially decides Basically to... Basically bo- like the like the sewer system of the boat. Yeah, decides to bogart all the water for himself. Yeah, so he's going to drink out of the toilet water forever. And so Scully is... <laughs> I mean, good on Scully, really. Scully has, like, a like a manic episode, and she, like, rips through the ship, taking yeah. every form of water very, she can find. Very MacGyver-esque, right? She gets a snow globe, she gets the, the, the liquid sardines. from the sardine cans, she gets the lemon juice. Yeah, she gets all the liquids she can find. She combines them into one jar. She says, this is what they can stay alive on. Yeah, secret sauce. Yeah, ew, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that does taste like. Yeah. What do you think water is, like... 
is the water, I don't know, murky in a snow globe? Murky? No, it's clear. I mean, I don't think it's actually water. I think you it's think like, so? I think it's part water, but it's probably got some form of alcohol in it too. To or like keep glycerin. It. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like, this is like a last case scenario, like right. worst case scenario. They'll, they'll survive if they drink this. <laughs> like, but I that's mean, it. either way, Mulder is refusing. He's, yeah. He claims, okay, Scully, you drink the water. You, as a woman, you have a longer life expectancy. You can retain water more. Part of me is also like, I don't want to drink that disgusting thing. Yeah, maybe. I'd rather die than have to drink that But I think concoction. he also sort of sees what Trondheim was saying, that he's much worse off and that if he can save Scully, he wants to. Yeah, um, and this is also Mulder's very sacrificial when it comes to Scully, too, oh, right? such a martyr. Um, but Mulder martyr? Mulder martyr. But, I mean, listen, nobody's drinking that, you know, disgusting thing at the end of the day because the ship shakes. Uh, yeah, because it's breaking apart. It's breaking apart right now because it's gotten so corroded. And- yeah, that, I think we forgot to talk about in the beginning when they like touch the, they touch the ship and it's like basically looks like blood because it's so rusted. Right, because uh, Barclay claims that the ship is bleeding. And they, yeah, they thought it was like some sort of just like uh, way of talking about the ship, but it actually is bleeding because it's so rusted. Yeah. Disgusting. Exactly. <laughs> and nobody got a big old boat band-aid, so mm-hmm. it's just bleeding out the poor boat. <laughs> big old boat band-aid. Big old boat band-aid. Just mm-hmm. go into the first aid kit and get the big boat band-aid. Or as they call them these day, boo-boo badges. Yeah. <laughs> but Trondheim is going to be getting a lot of boo-boo badges. Yeah, for maybe, sure. Maybe just CPR, because... He, this is a, always a fun moment, right? When the yeah. guy who becomes gets completely selfish gets hoisted by his own petard here. You'd love to say that, petard. That's a fun phrase. Thank you, Shakespeare. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Did you, almost say, did you say you're welcome? I did. <laughs> he told me. Wow. Now this is what I've learned today. That my, my wife channels the spirit of Shakespeare. Uh. That was me, that was me chan- channeling. Good sound effect. <laughs> Thank I love you. It. But basically, because the ship breaks, uh, basically the room like springs a leak, right? Yeah, Water I mean, it's leaking. like the hull is like, it, it's very, you know, how much I know about boats is mm. limited to Titanic and the hull is breaking and yeah. it sprung a leak and the ship is sinking. Yeah, and, and you can imagine that the Norse gods are like, oh, you want water? Here's Oh, no, 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 <laughs> not okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's allowed. What? That's a Norwegian accent. Yeah, it's the one from... Frozen. Yeah, well, listen, it, that takes place in Norway. I guess it does. But uh, uh, excuse yes. me, no, it takes place in Arendelle. Oh yes, I apologize. <laughs> the I, great land of Arendelle. I, I forget. It's nestled right in there, right in the middle of yes. Europe. But basically, Trondheim dies because the the sewage pipe bursts. The room starts to flood. He can't get out. He drowns. He drowns. Yeah, good for him. Water, water everywhere. Too much to drink. Yeah. I suppose for for Trondheim. So I mean, Mulder and Scully are really left. With no options. Yeah, they just have to, like, sit there. And they're just talking about how, like, at this point, like, they're, like, facing death. Yeah, Mulder has a really interesting idea. You would think that someone who is usually as calm as Fox Mulder would be like, it's my time to go, it's my time to go. But he's almost cursing the circumstances, saying it's not fair. Yeah, he has more to do. He's upset because it's like he hasn't discovered everything. He hasn't found the truth. And he's like, he's pretty uh, not into this. Well, I'm assuming he was also saying it's not fair. Why do I have to die with this much bad makeup on me? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I look like somebody beat me up several times over. Yeah, very flaky. But it is interesting because Scully uses this to make a callback to her one breath experience, mm-hmm. right? She says... I know firsthand that we have nothing to fear when it's over. I, I could have walked into that light, but for many reasons, I decided to turn away. But I had a pretty good time in that afterlife. 
Yeah, no, I mean, she's saying that, like, when she was having her, you know, near-death experience, she saw her father, he told her it was all okay, and, you know, she brought that back with her, and he never, she never told him that, so now she's telling him, and hopes that it'll make him feel a little bit better, but then he passes out. Yeah, he passes out, and so... she Now we get the voiceover of Gillian Anderson doing um her little journal writing, yeah, and which she, I love. And she tells a fun Norse legend, I'm not sure if this is true or not, about... I'm the sure it's based the on end truth. of the world will not come in a huge apocalyptic event, and it'll instead be a slow, methodical blanket of snow. Well, there's North myth- Norse mythology that, um, that I'm sure that falls somewhere in and there. And a wolf named Skull will eat the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, causing, I guess, another ice age. Otherwise known as our dog Lily. Yeah, I forgot to tell you. We actually, that's our dog. We own a wolf named, her name is Skull. Slash Lily. Slash Lily. We and call, she's we call her de- Lily for a more, like, civilian Yeah, that's, name. like, her day-to-day name, but she's gonna devour the world. Well, so, some real-life stuff. This past week, it has warmed up a bit on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and our dog has wanted to spend every single Yeah, we have, like, the second. teeniest, tiniest little green space in the back of our house, mm-hmm. and it's, like, a kind of backyard, makeshift backyard that we've, like... It's a tech, like, by a definition purpose, yeah, it's a backyard. It's, it's the yard in the back of our house, and we put a little fence up, and so every five seconds, she wants to go out there and just sniff, sniff, and sniff, sniff. My theory is, I think she's, she's looking up at that sun, and she's like, yum, it. yum. Well, that makes it's sense. Coming soon, people. Makes sense to me. So count- I liked this, though. I thought this was a great little scene, and I also felt like it, it resonated, I don't mm-hmm. know, from an audience standpoint. Well, like I was like into it. I think it's also, uh, you know, not to get too timely with things, but I do think the idea yeah. of climate change speaks mm-hmm. to this idea of skull, right? That when the end comes, it will not be in an instant, but instead with a series of progressive mm-hmm. events over time. Yeah, it's very like uh, existential for sure. Um, X Files essential, but X-Files it seems like this feels seems like Scully passes out as well. There's this really fun shot where. You know, Scully does say uh, at a certain point in the episode, listen, we just need to hang in for a while. The Navy knows where we went off to. Because I know that Mulder and Scully essentially, once again, some of you have heard this before, disobeyed Skinner or didn't tell him about this and went off on their own. But they'd assume, okay, he'd find out eventually, yeah. send people after us. So we, we have essentially 24 hours uh, to get ahead of them. And 24 hours later, basically, the Navy shows up. There's this really interesting shot where... You see them in the background shining their lights yeah. on Mulder and Scully, who are both passed out in the foreground. Yeah, it's just like they're figures. Um, but next to the scene is Scully wakes up in a hospital bed. And here comes... A little less wrinkled. Yeah, and, and also the uh, the doctor that <laughs> turned her away back in the day welcomes her with open arms, basically saying, thank you for writing this in your journal, because yeah. we knew what to give to cure you and Mulder. Yeah, exactly. And she basically says, like, he was a little worse off, but, um, you know, they, they put him into some what synthetic hormones and yeah it's uh yeah synthetic hormones and electrolytes yeah and then like i guess the other thing was like dialysis yeah exactly uh so scully says all right well now well, we gotta go get this exactly, ship now that I'm, I'm backed into my youthful self we gotta go get this ship there's some crazy stuff going on and the doctor says you don't understand the ship sank yeah, it's underwater. It's gone forever. So that's it. And, yeah, then- and then the episode ends with a sound that we had actually been hearing the entire time. Mm-hmm. It actually sounded a lot like the Law and Order. Chung, chung. It's a, it's a, I think what it is, is like the sound of like the hull. Mm-hmm. Like it's like that creaking hull. But you made an interesting I note did, that I you did. always thought that it was more representative of the sound of the wolf skull slash lily knocking <laughs> at the door ready to eat that. Yeah, sun. I think it's supposed to be like ominous in that way. 
you know, that like it's still out there. Yeah, that's and that's an interesting idea as well, right? That this was a one off episode, but it also implies that, yes, Mulder and Scully were saved. They didn't die, but they didn't exactly they save didn't, the day. They didn't achieve much. Like they found out about something that they didn't have any way to now save. So it's just out there. This happens in an episode in season one that we didn't watch called Ice, mm-hmm. where they go. It's like a very, very similar episode. There's like um, a parasite in the ice, and they find it, and they're they're able to escape and um, get picked up eventually. But it's it's another instance where there there's nothing they can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's move into something a bit darker. And a bit lighter in soft light. But before we do, Angela, we're going to take a quick break. Hear a word from our sponsors. All right, we are back. And let's bring to light soft light which is a game changer in a number of ways as we mentioned last week this episode was written by vince gilligan who will go on to write a number of episodes he'll go on i believe to show run the lone gunman spinoff mm-hmm. obviously he is more well known for his creations breaking bad and uh, better call saul but i also do believe this is the first episode where the person who is given the writing credit is was not technically on the x-files writing staff at the time oh i didn't know that that's yes, cool the story is essentially that vince gilligan's agent was related to chris carter oh okay and so essentially cuz again that's hollywood and yeah. said hey can you let them, them know like i have this writing idea and so vince gilligan's initial idea was what if there was this story about a man who essentially has a shadow who operates independently of him and and sort of is a serial killer. And Chris Carter was intrigued by the idea. Of course, the idea gets retooled, uh, mostly due to cost cutting, because they didn't yeah. want to essentially animate a Peter Pan-esque. Well, yeah, that's what I was shadow. thinking. I was like, does that come from like Peter Pan? Because there are like there are like more dark uh, if rep- only Mulder and Scully would have to chase it down with soap to stick it on. Yeah, well, there's dark interpretations of that story too, that like the the shadow is like um male. Ma- Maleficent? Maleficent? Maleficent in some way. Uh, (laughs) Disney crossovers. Yeah, Disney crossovers. But yeah, so I think that that's uh, not like an uncommon theme. Yeah, but essentially, this was the first time that they didn't turn to the writer's room. I mean, Vince Gilligan is going to be brought on as a a writer and much more in future episodes. But at this moment, this was, hey, this guy is pitching an idea for the X-Files. We'll bring it on. Hey, it's a good idea. Yeah. And so let's, let's start here. At the very beginning, as we get, I mean, speaking of the Chung Chungs, I feel like we got very Law and Order sort of we like sure generic off-brand music. To <laughs> and take we also to the got hotel. like uh, in the hotel, like this camera angle that was like so high above the ground. <laughs> like I was like, are we supposed to be a tall person? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> the vantage point of this basketball player. No, this is the tobacco executive, right? Yeah, yeah, I in. guess so. I guess so. So maybe so he was tall. He's unwinding after a long day, and of course, his reverie is disrupted. By Tony Shaloub himself, in as, all his in all his glory. I I love Tony Shaloub. I don't think I've oh, ever said that on a, on a podcast. He's before. great. I think he's such a chameleon. Like he can play so many different types of mm-hmm. people. And this is like this is probably most the most similar to like a monk type vibe, where yeah. it's like very neurotic and very like um like spazzy. Yeah. It but, reminds me a lot of sort of the, a less tired version of his character from the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, exactly. So um, here he comes in. His hair is 
out of whack. Well, yeah, because he basically is like living like a homeless man at this yeah. point and just like running around away from his shadow. But and he's bouncing off the walls at this point. So I was a little confused by this cold open because he he knocks on the door across the hall from this soon to be victim and mm-hmm. is basically saying, oh, I want to talk to this guy. Morris Galen is dead. It's my fault. And then this other guy who we were following goes to the door to see what's happening. Yeah, so here's what happened. Tony Shalhoub went to go see somebody in the same apartment building, Mm -hmm. but they weren't there, and the person across the hall answered the door and his shadow ate him. Yeah. So it's like it didn't I, have I was confused because yeah. okay, is this guy Morris? I did, I I got I think the, the locations confused. As yeah, to yeah. Who so he was basically, the, the guy that he gets killed is nobody. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there is no body at the end of it, right? There's no there's body. This odd effect, and maybe that's why they couldn't animate an independent shadow, is because they spent a lot on the effect of this episode, where what looks like an electrified wormhole yes. opens up in the floor and just swallows him up. Yeah, and I guess what we find out later is that he basically his shat, he's become dark matter and it like yeah. it it's the building blocks of everything in the universe so it basically tears it you apart. Yeah, it's 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 really weird I science. Mean, it doesn't need to make sense. That's just what it is in this episode. Right. But I know that Spencer, who is sort of like a, our, our science correspondent. I say He wrote in about how the uh, the rapid aging, I think to your point, like it doesn't actually age you. So I don't know why they were doing the old person voice. It was more so dehydration. Yeah, yeah. And he basically wrote about how, yes, you know, essentially this this shadow could be like a black hole. But usually it would then suck in everything. Yes. And not, that's why I think it's people. I don't think that it's sucking it in. I think it's taking, it's like disintegrating you. Right. It's, it's spaghettification is, is what the name of the process is. <laughs> oh. Nice and gruesome where essentially it's like if you ever got into contact with a black, black hole, it takes every cell in your body yeah, and can, compresses it and stretches it. Yeah. Disgusting. Um, but now I want spaghetti. Of course you do. You love spaghetti. I do love spaghetti. Even it's if Mike it's Bloom's a, favorite meal. Even if spaghetti, it's a person going through a black hole. Spaghetti, black hole person, bolognese. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now we find out that this is the third person who has disappeared in a similar way. Mm-hmm. And Mulder and Scully get brought into this one. Again, not through an X-File, but through a little bit of networking. Because <laughs> yeah. here comes Kelly Ryan, who is one of Scully's former students. Who to now first, na- to first name last name? Yeah, uh, now and now she works for Richmond PD. Spencer brought up an interesting point that Detective Ryan is sort of like of sliding doors version mm-hmm. of Scully, where basically yeah, it's like what could have happened. Yeah, where where Scully, you know, if she had remained on that path, she could have been working for Richmond PD. There's also the whole dynamic where you know uh, she, Kelly Ryan doesn't have a partner, so it allows her to become more subjugated by other people, whereas, like, totally. I think Scully has become emboldened by Mulder's presence. Well, and so, you know, she's a former student of Scully's at what? At Quantico? I'm assuming so? Yeah, I guess so, because she's not in the, she's not on track to be, maybe she is on track to be in the FBI. Maybe this is just, like, her first job out of the academy yeah, like no, sometimes I'm, you don't get confused, recruited though. directly to the fbi did like kelly did kelly ryan just go like later in life how old is she supposed she's to young. be yeah. she's young i think that so she she must have been like in school and and like just graduated and this is yeah. her first gig or because it's her first case right because <laughs> kelly ryan and and scully i don't know at least they're the, not the same the age act, the actresses don't look that different in age oh no but they're definitely this is supposed to be like scully's in her 30s and this girl's like maybe 23 like mm-hmm. definitely right out of school so maybe um, maybe it was like you know one of scully's I, first students and that's why she remembers her 
Maybe, but I also don't think that we know enough about how you get recruited into the FBI to really say things. If that hasn't become abundantly clear at this point, I don't know what will. Yeah. We get, we get a little bit of a red herring here at the very beginning where they mention, oh, you know, this guy is a tobacco company mm-hmm. executive. We find out later on, okay, this other victim was a tobacco company executive. I do love Mulder immediately writing worked that Worked at off. the tobacco company, not yeah. an executive. So an executive and somebody who worked there. Yeah, but Mulder essentially says, we'll know everyone in Richmond basically works for cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, it's purely coincidental. And then Scully's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and also a fun little fake out here, or at least a callback where, you know, we hear no way, you know, no way in, no way out of this room. And Scully immediately goes for the vents. Yeah. And Kelly Ryan says, do you really think someone could squeeze through there? And she says, she's basically thinking, yes. Yes. Ew. Did that twice. Tombs. Do not want to talk about that again. Nearly got kidnapped. But the thing that they do find is they find the, the burn marks on the yes. carpet. And Mulder's able to to map it out in a way to make it seem like, okay, this guy was reaching for the doorknob and then got zapped into the floor. Yeah, and he's like, wouldn't you be standing here if you're looking out the peephole? Like, yeah. and if Kelly Ryan is just sitting there like, uh-huh. And so as they're figuring things out, you also, I wanted to make note of something you mentioned as we were watching what this, that I you say? did not like Scully's hair helmet Oh, no, I, I, it sucks because I feel like she has such great, like beautiful red hair and sometimes mm-hmm. they do this thing where they blow it out and tuck it under and i'm just not a big fan of that like flip under look yeah and that's just like that's my personal style it but it's sort of like lucy from the peanuts yeah it's just a little dated and i it's confusing as to why she needed that kind of hair when like previous episodes like i feel like her hair in the first episode of the x-files was more modern than it is now <laughs> yeah maybe she's just it's, it's retrograding maybe her hair went back in time maybe or it's maybe. aged maybe significantly uh so as they're figuring things out, Mulder throws out the idea of spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> I didn't know this, but apparently Spencer pointed out that apparently there was like an episode involving spontaneous yes. human combustion back in season one. Yes, there was. And it's not a very good episode. <laughs> but it's it's a fun little callback, right? To, to yeah, that know, it, here are some things that we did in the past. Yeah, and Mulder will do this to scully often where he'll say like he'll like be like oh well maybe it's this maybe it's this and she's just like enough with that like it's never that (laughs) i have to say Mulder starts this episode off very weird because they end up going to the apartment of this victim and he's like oh scully can you spare a prophylactic which is yeah. him asking, hey, give me a glove so I can take off this light bulb. Yeah, you were not into that. But I like also... I said, I mean, listen, listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm known to, to have my mind in the gutter. But when you say prophylactic, I'm thinking about something different. Besides no, the I know. But I think that uh, that one didn't bother me as much as it the first scene when he's with the detective in the apartment of the first victim or the yeah, the apartment of the first victim. Mm-hmm. And he's just like running around, like checking. He's like, well, did you like? giving barking orders, mansplaining detective mm-hmm. to this young girl. And I was like, not into it. Well, I think what gives him a little bit of a big head is he's, he's building his utility belt. Angela. Yes. he's got that little red light guess, thing yeah. to, to find the fingerprints on the light bulb. Oh yeah. And in, in the second location, but I felt like, yeah, he was just like very uh, high up on his X-Files horse. Exactly. But it's a weird alien horse or maybe it's a, a horse. That yeah. Can like, Oh, I know how to deal with this. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Mulder knows, his shit. He's a very good detective. He's very good at his job, but I do feel like he was a little mansplaining here. He could have been a little less um, teacher moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scully's the teacher, not Mulder. Yeah. So they do at least get to the bottom of there being a commonality amongst all three victims, aside from the cancer sticks of it all. All three of them, some 
at some time during the day that they died, crossed paths with the train. Yeah, at and, the Richmond train station. And so they assumed that the, the the whoever did this might be a train station worker. Not exactly on the money, but at least they're in the right location. Because, I mean, they got to a, like a real... That was great. Yeah, <laughs> good investigatory work yeah. on their part. Because we do go to the train station, and here is Shaloub. He's looking rough. There are yeah. bags under his eyes. He essentially looks strung out right now. Yeah, exactly. And the reason we find out later is that he's at the um he's at the train station because that's where there is soft light. Yeah. Which is interesting. I, I know diffused light. Well, yeah, you're you're a photographer. Can you describe this sort of soft light versus hard light? Yeah, so hard light is a direct light. It's like a spotlight. Mm-hmm. Soft light is diffused light, so it's through something. So think about like when you've seen me doing photography or like a lampshade or something. Oh, interesting. It's like the light isn't directly, it's diffused through something. So like fluorescents are often diffused lights because there's something on top of it to diffuse the light. So it's, oh, okay. there's no way for, there's less likelihood that there'll be a shadow because there's no direct light on his person. As opposed to the sun, which doesn't have anything in front of it. Yeah, that's not light. diffused light, so it's but a shadow. when there are clouds, the light is diffused. Oh, interesting. And then when there's no sun, when it gets eaten by our dog, then there's no light. Yeah, and that's just darkness. <laughs> and that's just darkness. Like my soul. Exactly. What is it? Scully's saying this episode, darkness obscures all sins or yes, something like exactly. that. But yeah, so I mean, the, the point is basically that the light. If if he's under direct light, there'll be a shadow. But if he's in somewhere where there's diffused light, then there's not going to be a shadow. Yeah, so it's a little bit of like less. So of soft light and diffused light are the basically in this episode the same thing. Yeah, and, and it's less about uh, a Peter Pan thing as maybe Vince Gilligan's initial pitch made yes. it be, but more of a Jekyll Hyde thing. Yeah, where there's this side he can't control of it. that he can't control, and so he's going to leave the station. And I don't know. I don't know why cops run into him. Like, was he? Oh, so those was there the, an APB on him? Yeah, remember so. Basically, Mulder tells Kelly that she needs to get cops to the Richmond station and mm. patrol it for. So they, so they followed him out of the Richmond station. Yeah. And they said, Oh, okay. We see this guy, um, loitering out back. They, yeah. he, they say it over the walkie. They were like, Oh, we, we, we have a spot on a guy loitering out back. We're going to go check it out. And then they die. Yeah. Because <laughs> basically. Shalub is doing uh, what we've heard actually a couple times, I feel like, in the expos of like, please, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't like, want to hurt you. I mean, oftentimes these people are like struck with maladies or yeah. issues that they didn't ask for. Sometimes it's the other way around where they get them and then they become evil. And like there's this episode <laughs> with this kid and he, he basically becomes lightning and he starts using Wh- it. To, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, he basically like gets struck by lightning, becomes lightning and starts using it to like get back at his bullies. Like, Ooh. you know, so it's like you can go either way. But yeah. in this case, Shalub is out there just he doesn't want to hurt anyone. But there are there are shadows. And Yeah. And but now the stakes of this case have increased significantly because now whether he wanted to or not, Tony Shalub has become a cop killer. Yes. And also that puts Kelly in a per- bit of a pickle with her superior officers because also there was a little bit of utr stuff going on where she wanted to consult Mulder and scully she was put on this case because essentially nobody else wanted it because they felt like it was unsolvable yeah but now that there is blue blood uh sort of on the hands Mm -hmm. of this person now her superiors are going to get involved and if they find out that she's essentially working with the fbi that's 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 a no-no yeah that's like because it's outside their jurisdiction so not only will she get in trouble but Mulder and scully will not be in the best of 
uh, situations either, which they never are. You spoke about 24 before. We get a fun 24-esque moment here where Mulder and Scully dive into the security tapes at the train station. And, of course, Mulder does the, oh, can you magnify that by 200%, Wait, what's please? that from where it's like zoom enhance, in? Enhance. Enhance. Zoom in, enhance. Yeah. Zoom in, oh, it's from Bob's Burgers where it's like, it doesn't do that. Yeah. It doesn't do that. Yeah, like, listen, I'm, I'm sure the Richmond security file and this guard is, is fine at his job, but I don't think technology would allow you to... No, I think that there were... blow up security yeah. footage 200% and also clarify it to see clarify you know, the, it the, the, the logo key. of Polarity Magnetics but on his jacket. Maybe it could, but I don't know if this place would have that. Not at a train station. <laughs> but he's able to see the logo on Tony Shalhoub's jacket, and at this point, I think Scully also says... Um, that she thinks that he's mentally ill because all he's doing is staring at the floor. So this is where we're going to get our our textbook Mulder and Scully conflict of the episode, right? We've experienced this a couple times where Mulder says, there's something weird going on. Scully tries to find a scientific reasoning. In this case, it's because she feels like he has uh, a history with mental illness. And so therefore, mm-hmm. it's, it's more so behavioral than it is from a piece of phenomena but they are able to, luckily, Shalhoub has been walking in around with his letterman's jacket from Polarity Magnetics. <laughs> well, because I guess the situation we find out later is the accident happened and he just, like, ran. Yeah, so let's talk about that, because we go to Polarity Magnetics. We find out <laughs> Tony Shalhoub's real name. It's just Dr. Chester Banton. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting, because when we were when we, we saw the scene where the shadow had swallowed up the two cops, I had sort of like jokingly asked you, oh, is he a metahuman? I know. I was like giggling to myself. <laughs> because he is. He's literally, a, there was a pork like accident and everything. He's a metahuman. And for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about The Flash, which is basically, that's the premise of The Flash is that there's a particle accelerator explosion and it creates the Flash, yeah. as well as other humans that they are titled metahumans that are, have special powers. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty bananas that this ends up happening here. And, and Banton doesn't really become a hero nor a villain, I think just more so like a tragic figure. Yeah, like totally traumatized by the situation. But, but the way that it happens is, and it's a little bit of like a, a, the Flash combined with another DC project, uh, like the origin story of Dr. Manhattan, yes. where this is a guy who was obsessed, despite this company doing some pretty normal stuff with magnets like uh, you know, yeah, some pretty cool levitating stuff. trains, people movers, maybe uh, you know, making people age via free radicals in their system. Well, yeah, so I get and like bullet trains was the big one. Yeah, so that's but, like but Banton had his his whole other mission because he wanted to find out about the building blocks of that reality. Was, that wasn't enough for him. Subatomic to make a tra- particles <laughs> to make a train from New York to L.A. and in, in the half no, hour. I need to know what's what's that train made of. <laughs> what's it made of? And so I guess one day he was doing an experiment in the particle accelerator, left something in there, and like accidentally locked himself in, and then got hit with this wave that has essentially, you know, yeah. turned Although, his shadow into dark matter. I think it's... I fair to say maybe he didn't accidentally lock himself in there mm. because I think that we find out later in the episode how suspicious his buddy with the glasses is right and basically selling him to the government but and I also think uh, his partner at least claims that even after it happens and you have this like kind of scary Hiroshima-esque mm-hmm. shadow burned into the wall that apparently he was relatively calm yeah. after it because I guess I mean this is if nothing happened and really. he's also he's been studying to sort of like find out the truth in a molder like way and he I guess found the answer yeah well and I guess once you I guess he got hit with the particle accelerator and he was um fine it was just his shadow that was yeah. the issue <laughs> right exactly like he he did not he ended up turning out fine it's just whatever 
shadow is cast onto any sort of surface is the real problem. Yeah. So anyway, basically, he's a meta, and um, this his partner tells them that you know he had they haven't he hasn't seen him in five weeks basically. Yep. So they're gonna go back to the train station and try to find him. So I will say Tony Shalhoub was getting his cardio. <laughs> Lots of, of running. He is running so much, and he's also. But not running in a running type of running. No, it's more like, so him, like, desperately flailing his limbs. Yeah, like, to fleeing. Fleeing. Yeah, so he's definitely... He's he's out there. He's trying to get away. Yeah, and so Mulder and Scully run into him. Mulder catches Wise. You know, they, they were at the train station. They figured out... Yeah, the, they're basically uh, in the exact same scenario that the cops were in. Yeah, except, they, except they figured out the eponymous soft light. Mm-hmm. Mulder shoots out the lights in the parking garage. And Banton is relieved. Probably not so relieved in the yeah, moments like afterwards when he's institutionalized. <laughs> Well, I think he is just relieved that somebody believes him and like that he maybe will get some help. So, well, they bring him to this institution and he is under soft light. So he feels okay. He feels okay. Enough to light up a cigarette. I did wonder, we talked, we talked about this. (laughs) Who's to say? The 90s were wild. Whether cigarettes are allowed in mental institutions. I couldn't remember. I don't think they were allowed anywhere, but. I mean, that's now. It wasn't then. Yeah. The, uh, well, this was sort of the transitional period, right? This was when, like, the truth campaign was really starting yeah, to build starting momentum. Yeah, starting to. Of, hey, cigarettes can really, you know, do stuff to you. And the cigarette smoking man certainly didn't help things. No. But basically, ben, though Banton is safe right now, he opens up to Mulder about how he's happy to be behind bars in a manner of speaking, or at least in a padded room, because basically he's like, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that, yeah, this shadow could escape. And also, I think the government might be tracking me because they're going to do the brain suck. Yeah, because so I had wondered previous to this moment why he hadn't gone back to the lab already mm-hmm. to like, because basically they find out later that the he because he escapes and mm-hmm. they're like, where is he going? And he's going back to the lab because he's trying to get rid of it. But why yeah. didn't he do that earlier? But I guess it's the government thing. Like he think he's being trailed and that's why he's like going to the train station and like going to the, all these places and all that stuff. Yeah, and it's an, it's an interesting thing because in the initial draft of the script, because we're going to get into X's involvement, which really comes in at the 11th hour here. <laughs> sure does. X and the whole government ending was not in the script initially, mm. but I think Chris Carter and Vince Gilligan at all felt that bringing them in would create a legitimate fear from Barton's, Barton's end and like some actual danger so that there was some danger yeah. with the shadow itself, but also the danger in oh, the government is actually wanting to utilize his power set, as it were. Well, and I think that 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 aspect brings an ending to the episode that, like, sticks with you. I think it's one of the reasons I, like, think about this episode and I go, oh, yeah, such a great episode. It's like, when I was watching it, I was like, wait, this episode is fine. Like, it's not that great, but, like, it's it's good. No, it ends ends really well. And I think Poignantly, yeah. was not an X-Files fan, and he said that he really wanted to get involved with the episode because it felt very Twilight Zone to him. And the the ending especially Mm -hmm. resonates with that, and and we'll get into that. But X... Uh, is getting involved here because Mulder calls after, on him. Yeah, basically. after after hearing what Banton said, and despite the fact that Scully thinks it's just the the rantings of a lunatic, essentially, he says, "Let me check in on X here." Suffice it to say, surprise, surprise, these two are not on the best terms. I I, I have no idea if you remember this, Angela. X makes a reference saying, "Like, oh, last time I stuck out my neck for you, I exposed myself to some of your associates." Is that a reference to a previous episode? I think it's a reference to him exposing himself to to Scully. And to Skinner. Okay, so that's that's the reference to when she was trying Remember to, Remember when like, she tries to contact him, and then Skinner beats the shit out of him in an elevator? Okay, so that's what it's... <laughs> I, I think just, so. I, I mean, just wanted to make sure that there weren't any, like, episodes in between. There might be, but that, I don't think so. But, you know, Mulder 
ironically enough, kind of, I don't know. It, it's a question as to whether he ends up. I think screwing, he's over it. Yeah. But it's a question as to whether he ends up screwing over Banton here or not, because you would imagine, because after this, you know, Mulder essentially tells Banton like, Hey, are, is the government looking after this guy? I, I want to confirm this, these oh, paranoia yeah, or non nexus. Yeah. Who the hell are you? Don't call on me. I'm not your Aaron Yeah, but boy. right before that, he asks him where he's yeah, being exactly. held. Oh, I, I don't care. By the way, where is he? Yeah, exactly. It was very weird. What's the code to get in? Yeah. So in the middle of the night, you have X and a couple of goons break into the institution and mm-hmm. like try to tie Banton up to take him away. Well, so the, and they shut the power off. And the way that they it becomes suspicious to Mulder and Scully is that they find that the power has only been shut off to that building. Mm-hmm. So you have to have in that Virginia Power and Co. And you'd have to do it at a time when you knew you could do it. And so they're like, this is very suspicious from a government standpoint. So. Right. So the uh, the question that I still have from this is, was the government always looking into people like Banton or did Mulder unintentionally call attention to Banton? I think it was a little of both because at the end of the episode, when they're experimenting on Banton, the guy that's doing the experiment says it would have been great to have his partner too. Mm. So they know they've probably known about his experiments. And when they, when they found out that they like, they're keeping track of him because he's doing like experiments on dark matter. And then Mulder He's them into the fact that, you know, they, if something's happened, that's like proved it. And- yeah. So maybe it's an idea of this was a long term project mm-hmm. and it becomes much more short term. Correct. Yeah. Once they find out, oh, no, people are on to him. Yeah. But like clearly they've been keeping track of him. I mean, they knew who he was and his partner. So, right. So Banton, they unintentionally let Banton go, though. Mm-hmm. Banton has escaped once more. And I think now that he's no longer feels safe, even in an yeah. institution, he says, all right. Time to finally head back to the start of this whole thing. Let's go back to Polarity Magnetics. And basically, he finds his partner, who I guess lives in this lab, I'm assuming. <laughs> I guess so. And basically demands to say, I'm going to get hit with the particle accelerator you again. He trusts him completely. He's like, we're going to fix this. Yeah. either well, It's either going to say, we're going to fix this or like, just kill me. Yeah. You know? Well, by killing him, fix it. Exactly. Like, I'm the monster... The world is better off mm-hmm. without me. Yeah, he's. Pla- I think he's planning on dying here. Yeah, a really sad moment, though, where Officer Kelly Ryan mm-hmm. runs into him and he's forced to kill her. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to do this. And she just like won't back down. And he just steps forward in her shadow. Yeah, I feel bad. I mean, listen, this is far from the first cop that he's killed in this episode. But there, there's an essence of humanity here. If she really was an innocent bystander, she was trying her best. She had, a, she had yeah. big places to go to. But again, to. for him, it was... I have to get rid of myself and you're standing in the way. So. Wrong place, wrong time. Totally. Yeah. So Banton thinks that he has found a compadre and his partner, but it turns out, and I don't know how long this has been happening, but it That's turns what out I'm saying about, yeah, that his partner was, is working in line with X and the government. At least now he is where it could have been earlier than that, but now he's definitely working with him because he, Basically says like mm, I could let I could turn yeah. it on, but I'm not going because he does lock him in the particle accelerator, but he doesn't push the button. It's essentially like okay, I've got him trapped in there. Mm-hmm. We'll wait for the authorities to take you away. The authorities say nah, we're already here and kills him. Yeah, but they don't kill him. I thought they oh sh- they kill yeah yeah. yeah. They, so they, the guy they shoot in the, the partner ch- in the head. Well yeah, and so the guy in the chair is the partner. Yeah, and so when he disappears in the particle accelerator, you think basically Mulder says like oh. I don't think that he, um, that was him. Right. Because there's footage that Mulder and Scully find of a passed out man Mm -hmm. in this office chair getting hit with the wave and another wave and disappearing. Yeah. And my belief is that X 
killed the partner. He shot him right there yeah. at the computer and then just sort of like did the bait and switch. Did the bait and switch and then took him. Whereas you think, I think you're meant to think that maybe X is good for a second and yeah. then he is definitely not. <laughs> when Mulder, Mulder's caught wise onto that, it's a breakup. Mulder says, mm-hmm. we got to see other people here, X. He's like, I'm done with you. X, <laughs> you are now my X-E-X. Yeah, exactly. And so an X, you know, he lies but doesn't lie here, right? He tells Mulder, just so you know, I didn't kill Banton, which could be true in multiple ways. Yeah, you know? but you did not kill him, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, he did he he killed his partner, which is not Banton. He could also argue if that was Banton in the chair, he could be like, I didn't kill him, I let him die. Yeah, he and wanted to die. Ultimately, you actually didn't kill him. You took him someplace to be studied and tortured yeah, for and, the rest of his life. And faked his death. Maybe that was also like reverse, reverse psychology, right? I he guess. says, I know you're doubting this, so let me say things in a way that's actually true, but you know is a lie. Oh, he sucks. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm intrigued to find out because, spoiler alert, we're, we're going to end season two next week. I'll be intrigued to see if the X saga ends mm-hmm. there or if it extends, if you will. <laughs> God, but kill me. <laughs> we get a, a final scene here, which is so sad. Yeah, Tony Shalhoub, excellent. Really great job from Tony Shalhoub, where, yeah, it turns out X has taken Banton He's being studied. He seems to be absolutely miserable because he's basically like stuck in this yeah, chair. Yeah, he's like where, catatonic almost. Yeah, while, while just lights are flashing, which sounds torturous to begin with, let alone if you mm-hmm. are, are someone who has this shadow haunting you. And there's this really just uh, honestly tear-jerking tear shot of a single tear rolling down Tony Shalhoub's face. I will say overall also at the end of this, I really loved from a cinematography perspective yeah, just the, the, the use of light. Mm-hmm. Everything from like focusing on the shadows to the flashing lights. Yeah. L- light was used in so many inventive ways in this episode. And it's one of those things where almost like the Doctor Who episode Blink, mm-hmm. when you focus things on such an unconscious action or piece of our life yeah. and really make you focus on it and create evil things around it. It's, it's a really cool idea to... You know, get get yeah. your spine tingling, well, but also this, get your brain racing. There's this uh, kind of fairy tale, or like I, I guess you could call it like a folklore thing, where it's said that the in between spaces are where like goblins and fairies and things like that live. Mm-hmm. So like the penumbra, I, yeah. And so I found like when I was younger, being like kind of scared of like doorways mm-hmm. and windows and midnight. And like, <laughs> those were what the examples. So like when midnight would happen, like I would get scared. Oh God, like, New Year's Eve was your worst day of the year. Yeah. Maybe well, I don't think I was ever awake at midnight when I was young, but yeah, like if I ever was, I'd be like, Oh dang, they're coming for me. <laughs> like, so I would find myself like running through doorways like really Th- quickly. This sounds like a Norwegian <laughs> legend, actually. Well, it's like a folklore, but it's like a, like a fairy tale type thing where like, that's where they live and they're going to get you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that's very similar. Like, you think about things that you never think about, and in, mm-hmm. in Doctor Who episode Blink, it's blinking, and yeah. if you blink, you'll you're dead. You know? Like, yeah. So, like you said, this ending really does stick with you, and I and I agree that I think it does lift the overall quality of the episode, which can be a little, I don't know, especially if you think about it scientifically speaking, it's a little murky. It's very And it wraps up really quickly, and it's confusing as to, like, what actually happened yeah, to him. Yeah, it's, and- it's also very Star Trek-y to mm-hmm. me, where something weird happens, and then they try to create some odd scientific explanation for it. Hey, I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's more so uh, lifted by the performance of Tony mm-hmm. Shalhoub and the ending, yeah. which again is very tragic and doesn't feel like something we've experienced in an X-Files episode so far. Or that you haven't experienced. At least that I haven't. Don't speak for me, Bloom. I'll try not to, Shakespeare. Let, let's talk about Spook of the Week here for a second. Going back to Dodd Combe, 
Do you have a, a spook of the week who's acting the most spooky in your opinion? Um, I guess Olufsen is my spook of the week there. Uh-huh. I think he's probably the most suspicious, most spooky as it, as it comes to like doing spooky things. Yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Captain Barclay. Barclay. Cuz I think he looks super spooky with the makeup. For some reason he talked very old. Yeah, they all did. <laughs> for some for some strange reason. So I think just the initial image yeah. of him and the fact that he seems spooked makes him the spook, in my opinion. Soft light, it's got to be Banton, right? It's yeah, be Tony of, course, character. of course. He seems both spooky and spooked. Yeah, he's he's both. He's simultaneously spooky and spooked. Yeah, exactly. So he's the rare uh, recipient and giver mm-hmm. in this case. So I'm assuming much more spookiness to come in our next doubleheader of a week here on The Bloom Files. Because we're going to do what we did last season and i think we're going to make this a tradition mm-hmm. moving forward for the most part is we are going to do a double header where we close up one season and open up the next one so we are going to be doing season two episode 25 the finale anasasi yeah sure <laughs> and then the season three premiere the blessing way you said that one perfectly i listen i'm i'm now i'm just waiting for like every week especially if we're doing multiple episodes for there to be one episode that i i have a lot of trouble pronouncing yeah. and then another one to be completely fine so yeah. i'm fine batting 50 percent each and every week here yeah and so i think this is probably the way to go and i think we were talking about it that it's gonna be hard for you to know what's going on because so much happens in season finales and season premieres in the x-files as far as the arc goes of mm-hmm. the whole the whole series so i think it's just going to be necessary for us to do and also um fun yeah so feel free to watch those episodes alongside us you can send us or feedback. don't i mean yeah you can you, we try to describe them to the best of the ability for those you that do that, whatever you want don't all right let mike bloom peer pressure you you all have free will and we're, we're very happy you took your free will your hour out of your day to listen to us yeah thank gab you. on about this but you can send us feedback for Anasasi or the Blessing Way or even .com and Soft Light, you can write into us. Our email is bloomfiles at poshorecaps.com or xfiles at poshorecaps.com. Special thanks to Brendan Fitzpatrick and Spencer and John Krause and many others who have written in over the past few weeks. We'd love to hear from you all about your thoughts, especially as the series is progressing. You can also tweet us as well. Angela is at Ange Pelagi. I am at a Mike Bloom type. And of course, at Posho Recaps. That's all Twitter. Let us know your thoughts about these episodes, about what's to come with the end of season two and beginning of season three. I know I keep saying this basically every season, but I think that the format we're doing this, I can't believe we're already done with season two in a blink. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, that's what happens when you skip a bunch of episodes. Yeah, but I've been really loving the picking and choosing that we've been doing so far. Thumbs Good. up to you for the for the list that you've Thank made. You. And I'm assuming much more fun to come. Of course, check out all the other fun stuff going on on Posher Recaps. I'm soon going to be kicking off coverage of Falcon and the Winter Soldier doing a preview with Josh and Kevin and LaTanya this coming weekend in preparation for the premiere coming this Friday. Lost Down the Hatch, Community Building, Walking Dead, Final Fantasy, everything going on on our patron side, including conversations in our Discord about the X-Files. It is all happening, so be sure to check that out if you're interested in all things poster recaps. We have plenty for you, truly shining a soft light on all things pop culture. LOL. So that's going to do it for this week on The Bloom Files. Again, next week, we'll be back covering the season two finale and the season three premiere. Special thanks to Corey B for his fantastic theme song. But for now, case closed. <laughs>